The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Networking is the fuel of a successful career. Yet, a lot of people don't take full advantage of it until they're in a bind, like after a layoff or when they're incredibly unhappy at work. We're talking all about the power of networking on today's episode. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Few people actually enjoy the idea of networking. In fact, I know someone who hates even talking about the topic. Yet, it's such a powerful tool in our careers. I literally wouldn't be sitting here today without networking. So, how do you overcome people's distaste for networking? Well, we're fortunate to be joined by Annie Riley, who is a well-known coach for startup leaders through her business, Fortlight, and the host of Who Got Me Here. The show is all about the people who power other people's careers. To kick things off, I wanted to hear where Annie's appreciation for networking came from. Here she is. I have seen how relationships have moved my world and my experience, you know? Actually, one of the guests on Who Got Me Here, Molly Graham, who worked under Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook and was a COO at a number of great startups, she typically says, relationships move the world. And I think that is so true. Even in school, you know, when I was first kind of thinking about what am I going to do after graduation, I really didn't know what my options were. I knew I needed to support myself and make a living, and I wanted to do something interesting. But even then, I saw upperclassmen, people one or two years ahead of me, what were they doing for summer internships? What were they doing when they graduated? And just watching that and then getting the intros, making that happen, I think that that was when my eyes kind of opened to the role that people and relationships have in shaping not just our careers, but who we are. From my entire experience of being alive in this world, it's the people that I've been around who have really shaped my experiences. And I think I fell into that trap of thinking of networking as something that I was sort of supposed to do. And really, looking back, it's so much just about people and relationships. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they have this very dark view of what networking is because a lot of people think, okay, I have to network. I have to go find a networking event, put on a hello, my name is tag, (laughs) and then just stand there awkwardly and hope someone talks to me. Yes. And I assume based on your conversations, that isn't typically where these people find the people who help them in their career. Absolutely. And one of the big discoveries has been all of the stigma and preconceived notions that people hold around the term networking. When I first kick off a conversation, sometimes I'll say, what does networking mean to you? And people have this really negative reaction to it because I think they associate it with something very transactional, very greedy, very inauthentic. And in reality, when we dig into these people's stories, what makes them amazing at building a network is they're great with people. They're great at building relationships and genuine connections and really maintaining those over the course of their careers and their lives. 
So I actually think this term networking, in a way, feels stale and not that useful. I really just think about it as relationship building. Yeah. And for people out there who do think that networking sounds greedy and sort of ingenuine, it could be. But that's also ineffective networking. 100 percent. Yeah. We had a guest our very first episode, and he talked about this idea of being long-term greedy. And I absolutely loved that because, again, a common trap that people fall into when they're trying to build their network out is they get maybe a little too transactional. They try to do too much in the first conversation, and they come off as short-term greedy. And he said, no one's going to fault you for wanting to get value out of these relationships over the course of your life. That's how the world works. We've all benefited from that. But if you can approach it as being long-term greedy, then that's a much better way to think about it. And I thought that that was kind of a clever reframe. And in fact, Dory Clark, who's a LinkedIn learning instructor, she's really fantastic business professor. But one of the things that I've heard her talk about in the past is that she never asked a connection for a favor within a year of meeting that person. Mm -hmm. And basically, it gives that relationship time to bloom before you actually go back and say, hey, I'm going to need that favor or I'm going to need something based on this relationship because then the relationship is stronger. It can withstand that ask because I'm sure you've received this before in your career. People, they'll ask for a coffee or they'll ask for a conversation. And then you might have a really great chat. And then at the end of it, they'll be like, Anyway, so, like, what jobs do you have available? Yep. And it basically spoils that whole conversation because you're like, you were just using me. Totally. And that's really the worst case scenario out of a new interaction is that someone walks away feeling used. And a lot of our guests talked about really these two points, the idea of moving slowly and building long-term relationships in a way that's genuine and authentic to you And also making a high-quality ask. I think that that's the two parts of exactly what you're describing. Our most recent guest on the show, Jeff Epstein, who's an operating partner at Bessemer Ventures, he has this framework for building relationships that I love, and he calls it crawl, walk, run. And it requires some amount of patience, but those are the relationships that he talks about as yielding the biggest benefit over time. And if you invest in the relationship over time and really add value before you ask for value, figure out how you can be helpful, that is going to be the key to making relationships that really last yeah. and are meaningful. And then that, to your point, opens the door for when you do have an ask, it's not awkward, it's not uncomfortable, it's the green light, right, to being able to make that ask when the timing is right. Yeah. And also what I find really interesting, too, is that, you know, you you mentioned sort of the long game. And I think that goes to the fact that a lot of people, they wait to network until it's too late, especially when there's downturns or maybe an industry is particularly hit. They end up rushing around being like, OK, I got a network. I got to send out all these emails and reach out to people. And that may work with people where you have that existing relationship. But if you're trying to go from a cold start to say, I see that you work for X company and I see that they have a position and I would love it. Can you spare five minutes? That is pretty much never going to work. So really, when it comes to networking, I assume the best approach is really to play that long game and do it when you actually don't need it. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best case scenario. And yet, a lot of us find ourselves in a position where we do need that help right now. 
a lot of people have been laid off from their jobs this year and are finding themselves in a position of needing to network and needing to land a new gig along with many, many other people. And so I think that those people might be saying to themselves, oh, I wish I had been doing this all along. And the reality is it's never too late to start. And I think that you can do that type of networking relationship building where you are looking for something in the short term, but you can approach it in a way that still isn't short-term greedy, where you still are being authentic. You are still thinking about how you can help the other person. You are striking that balance between persistence and annoyance. You know, I think that that's a fine line. People always say, be persistent, have grit. And at the end of the day, when you're trying to build relationships, you never want anyone to walk away exactly as you said, feeling used. And it's never too late to start the longer term investment. And for the people who are job seeking, we had one guest, Michael Giacconi, who's the CEO of Button. And he talked about just go embed yourself in a bull market, in a market that is going to reward ambition and work ethic and things will happen. And so for people who you know might find themselves needing to do that networking, looking for a job right at this moment in time, I think that that's great advice because there are some industries, some companies that are still growing right now, that are still hiring like gangbusters. There are skill gaps in areas like AI. So people do have options that might require us to shift or pivot a little bit, but I do think it's still doable. We'll be right back with Annie Riley. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with Annie Riley, CEO of Fortlight. I think a lot of people, they don't know where they're starting from. And a lot of them say... I don't have a network. And unless you are truly a hermit who does not interact with anyone, you have a network. It's just that you don't necessarily think of it as a network because they're part of your everyday life. Yep, 100%. And also, you can build it. 
A lot of our guests have come on and talked about how they have either sought out their community, which, by the way, your community in whatever form is also, to your point, part of your network. So they've sought those people out, maybe when moving to a new city or trying to break into a new industry. But also you can create that for yourself and find the people who are actually your peer group and convene those people in whatever way makes sense. Maybe it's in a Slack channel or a virtual Zoom gathering or a lot of our guests have talked about hosting dinner series. This is valuable to people because often these folks want to meet each other. There's valuable conversations to be had. One of our guests talked about asking people, what's the number one thing on your (laughs) mind? What's the number one thing that keeps you up at night? And then hosting events and dinners around those topics. And I thought that was so brilliant because you're not even having to come up with a content, right? Like the guests are driving the content for you. You are just bringing people together, doing the work of maybe preparing the meal, you know, organizing the details. And people appreciate it so much. And then all of a sudden, boom, that's a network essentially for you. And I particularly love it when you're trying to get into a new space because then all of a sudden, three dinners later, something that you were not known for before. Now you're a part of that community. You've expressed your intent that this is the direction that you want to go in. You could actually become known as someone who's in the mix. And also, when you have this existing network and maybe you are job seeking at this very moment and you can't really go out and just ask a bunch of strangers for a job, what you could do is you could go to old classmates, old coworkers, and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking to go into this industry, possibly at these companies. If you know anyone, can you let me know or can you pass on my name? That gets you a little bit over that hump of being new Mm -hmm. or being like a fresh face to a person because they have a point of reference. And so often I think when people think about, you know, quote unquote networking, they're thinking two, three levels ahead of where they are today. They're looking at the CEO. They're looking at the founder. And they're like, I got to meet that person and make it happen. And in reality, the people around us, the people who are our peers at our level, maybe people who have worked on our team where we've been their manager, these are people who are part of our network and will go on to do interesting things. And we can be helpful to them and they can be helpful to us. Kate Taylor, who's the global director of recruiting at Notion, she talked about someone she had hired as an intern or someone on their team, ultimately was the way that she got the job at Notion. You know, and this is somebody who, if you're just looking at sort of traditional stratification of levels, is like a couple levels below her and was a critical relationship to getting her where she is today. So I think people need to open their minds to all the different types of relationships that exist around us. And again, if we move through the world with the curiosity and care for other people, thinking about how we can help them, then that will return dividends from potentially even unexpected places when we're in a position of needing or wanting help. Yeah. And I think the idea of oh, I don't like networking because it's transactional. You sort of set that tone if you're the one who's really reaching out because if you're not looking for anything in immediate return, then it isn't transactional. You're just genuinely interested in that person and what they have to share with you. 100%. And I think you're touching on what does a good ask look like? And one of the things that I loved, April Underwood, who was former Twitter and Slack and Google, has just had such a great career and is now investing She talks about giving people a graceful plan B in your ask. And I love that so much because oftentimes people say, I want the job or I'd like you to make this big intro for me to this big famous person. And that can sometimes feel so big that maybe the person would rather 
not even answer you than just say no. So rather than going for that big ask, you know, saying, or if there's someone on your team I could connect to, those kinds of things are really helpful because it gives the person a plan B that they can opt for that increases the likelihood they're going to get back to you and also increases the likelihood that things will move forward. It might move forward an inch instead of the mile that you were reaching for or (laughs) hoping for. But momentum and forward motion is really all you're looking for in these things. Yeah. And also, I think another thing, too, is when you're reaching out to people, be specific about the ask. Yes. And then also realize that everyone's sort of busy. So don't try and get an hour on someone's calendar, especially if you don't know them. Because I've had people reach out to me who will say, hey, can I throw some time on your calendar? And this is even people internally, like at LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, I'll look at my calendar and there's an invite for like an hour-long conversation. And... Anyone who knows me, Alexis, who's our producer, who's listening to this, that you know, and anyone on my team, my meetings rarely run long. I tend to be very concise and to the point. So when someone puts an hour on my calendar, I just go, no, there's no (laughs) way. I'm not talking to this person for an hour. And so I always say, start with 15. And then if you go over, you go over. But don't aim for 45 minutes for an initial conversation. Exactly. And I think it's so much easier to have that great first interaction and then to follow up. And in that first interaction, being curious about the other person, learning what they're interested in, how you can help them. And then that also makes the follow up so much easier because you can maybe help them with something for a project that they're working on. Or one of our guests talked about loving to fish. And he met someone who he really was excited to build a relationship with who he discovered also loves fishing. (laughs) And then they started sending each other photos of fish that they had caught. And then that turned into an investment relationship. And so I think just this idea of connecting as humans and learning about people as humans and then approaching it from a perspective of what can I give before I ask, I think that that's really the key to building relationships. What advice do you have for people after that initial interaction? Because it's always great to have those conversations, but then sometimes those connections get cold. How do you suggest people be intentional about keeping those relationships current without bothering that other person. Because I've had people where we've had initial conversation, they were more than pleasant. And then every week, it was like I was getting an email from them. So, you know, what's your advice? Totally. And then in that case, you're more turned off than on, right? And what we're going for is the opposite of that. You know, my takeaway from that is finding an approach that works for you, that you can keep up on a consistent basis, and it's going to feel authentic to you. I've heard everything from... Have a quarterly newsletter. You know, we had one of our guests come on and talk about how even Reed Hoffman had a quarterly newsletter, and he's the pinnacle of success in many people's (laughs) mind, right? But if he can take the time to send a quarterly newsletter saying, hey, in case you missed it, here's a podcast that I was on or here's a book that I'm working on, then all of us can take that time to send that quarterly newsletter if it's something that feels authentic and genuine to us. Hosting events is another thing that's popped up and extending invitations to folks in your network to those events, whether they are an attendee or it's an opportunity for them to actually share their expertise with a broader audience. And then also just reaching out for that more personal connection, sending that picture of the fish that you caught. I have an old colleague that I worked with 
at Hotel Tonight, and his last name is Cheeseman. And I saw a bus go by the other day that said Cheese Bus on the side. And I took a picture and I sent it to him. It's his bus. I was like, you need (laughs) this bus. And it's kind of a silly example, but I just share that to say we don't need to overthink it, right? It can be something super, super simple. And we had one guest talk about it as almost just like a steady drumbeat of saying, hey, I'm still here. He called it, I'm still alive, steady drumbeat. And it sounds a bit cheeky. We're all so busy. We're all so heads down in our own worlds. Having that moment to say, I'm here. This is what I'm up to. This is what I'm interested in, whether it's a newsletter, an event, a personal outreach, or even posting on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You know, these are all of the different ways that I think people can do this. But the key is to picking a path that you can maintain, that feels right for you. Because if you find it super uncomfortable, super awkward, or super disingenuous, I think that will come through. And also, you're not going to keep it up. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I try and practice that every once in a while where everyone has their quirks. And I love quirks about people. Mm -hmm. Like One of the things, in fact, I was just talking with some of my colleagues about is when you join LinkedIn, one of the first questions they'll ask you when you're introducing is what is not on your LinkedIn profile? Mm. Because it's something weird in your background that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily publicly share. But it's also how you anchor someone because it's like, oh, that's the guy that keeps bees or that's the person who was a clown's assistant. So when I remember those and I'll see something relevant to that, even if it's years later, I'll send it to them and say, hey, guess what? And mm-hmm. I came across this and I instantly thought of you. I hope you're well. And that's basically it. And very few people get offended. Yeah, I think people would find it fun because yeah. obviously if they did that, it's a passion of theirs. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of an underutilized thing when people are meeting new people as well. We live in an age where there's so much information about people online, people maybe have that you're looking to meet or you have a meeting with. There's probably articles they've written, podcasts they've been on, feeds that you can, you know, look up that they've shared with the world. And you can research that person before that meeting and, you know, ask them about those things because I think it shows that you've prepared. It shows that you care and you're invested. And it just kind of is a fun jumping off point for a conversation because people don't want to have, you know, super just stale, repetitive ballroom kinds of discussions. Like for this show, I listened to a bunch of your past recordings. And I was so struck by your experience growing up in rural Pennsylvania. (laughs) And you connected with a guest about pig farming, I remember. And so I just felt like I am so curious about that. (laughs) That is something I would love to hear more about. But I think that that just goes to show it didn't take me long to get to those kinds of details. Follow your curiosity. That's what builds a real connection, not this transactional stuff that we think of as being traditionally, quote unquote, professional that can often feel very stale. We're living in a new age of how people think about approaching their work and life and integrating those things, you know, especially the pandemic, Mm -hmm. working from home, the rise of remote work, the rise of the creator economy where people are posting about their work and their lives on all sorts of platforms. I just think that times are changing. What would you say is like the number one do and the number one don't when it comes to networking? Yeah. Don't approach networking as this obligatory thing. A lot of people say, oh, I should network. This is something I'm supposed to do. And they really don't take time to pause and think what they want to get out of it. Why are you doing this? You know, what what do you want out of this? Because ultimately tapping into that motivation is going to help you decide 
where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Do not approach it as just building relationships with powerful people for the sake of it. But the sort of flip side of that, I would say, is the do, which is really approach it as connecting with other human beings, learning about what they're interested in, what they care about, and ultimately to get started how you can be helpful to them and looking all around your world for relationships that you can build, that you can deepen, that you can serve. And ultimately, that is going to be the key to building a strong, quote unquote, network that you can leverage over time. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Annie. Thanks for having me. It's been such a delight. That was Annie Riley, CEO of Fortlight. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Fria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.